welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for November 28, 2021, titled Present Faithfulness by Reverend Sarah Cooper Searight. Please join me in prayer. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Alex set it up well today. I was thinking about those signs of seasons as well. And every spring at our house, just as the forsythia are on full display in the back, this beautiful and stately cherry tree begins to get green buds. And those buds are quickly replaced by these delicate little pink flowers that extend back over our yard and our deck. And if you catch it at just the right time with the yellow forsythia, and the pink flowers, it's really nice Easter pictures. Everything is coming to a bloom, and Jesus is right. With this sign, we see that surely summer is coming. And then, as soon as these little delicate pink petals arrive, they begin to fall, and they fall, and they fall, and they fall, and they fall, and And then it rains, and then they fall some more, and then there's this pink paste all over the deck that is nearly impossible to get up without scrubbing. When you come into the house, there are pink petals brought in by little feet and large feet alike, pink petals in the kitchen, pink petals in the dining room, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the living room, there are pink petals everywhere. I sweep in a vacuum and I sweep, and still there are pink petals. (laughs) So despite the utter beauty and glory of this tree, and regardless of the fact that Pennsylvania winters are far too long for this Texan, because the hope of warmth is what keeps me going through the spring, Be all of this as it may, I do not look forward to this tree's blossoming because there are so many pink petals. And I know the work that is to come. There is a similar sentiment, I think, in this season. Every late November or early December, the wreaths go up, the white vestments of Christ the King Sunday are replaced by the purple of Advent, the holly begins to bloom in our gardens, the Douglas firs stand up tall in grocery store parking lots and on street corners to be taken home and set up indoors, don't get me started on pine needles. (laughs) Everything is setting the stage for Christmas, as we talked about here, is near. And so indeed, we begin Advent this morning with the waiting and the anticipating, the warmth and the beauty and the longing and the joy that is the best of these four weeks. So much 
we need, and so much of what we yearn for every year, and surely this one, as we edge cautiously or not so into some hazy post-pandemic normal. But as soon as these signs appear, we know that the work has already arrived. The work to which relentless Target ads and L.L. Bean mailers put us to in mid-November, or really earlier, shipping delays, you know, cleaning, decorating, shopping, cooking, arranging, sending, organizing, wrapping, frenzied and anxious and breathless, we make it to Sunday, or Tuesday, or Thursday, or Saturday, and then there's the work of church folks to do. Rehearsing, greening, recruiting, training, ACS staffing, giving tree wrapping, poinsettia delivering, candle sheathing, and we scrub and we scrape and we scrub again, and still that candle wax is on the pews. So despite the utter joy of this season in its full wonder, and regardless of the sacred glow of candle night in this space on Christmas Eve, we may not always look with longing towards this time because we are already exhausted and it has barely begun. Perhaps it's only fitting then uh, that on this first Sunday of Advent in the scripture text, we get this time beyond time when our straight line of events and checklists and ordering deadlines is twisted and turned and lengthened and then cast aside altogether in favor of God's time. This morning, we fast forward, jarringly so, and Jesus is at the end of his ministry, on the edge of Jerusalem. He is preparing his disciples for a time that only God knows, and he is recalling prophets of the past, Ezekiel and Isaiah, for the apocryphal imagery that we hear. He is urgent and insistent, as only Jesus can be. Here there is no baby, no theophany before stunned shepherds, no Mary running to Elizabeth to share the good news, no Zechariah singing of promises remembered, not even yet a John the Baptist, hoarse from his calls for repentance. All of that paved the way to what is now in our story and what is coming. God is drawing near. Fully, finally, God is drawing near and it seems that all manner of heaven and earth are breaking loose. As listeners, I think in years past I have seen this text as perhaps maybe we would be caught up short by the images of the earth and her people in distress and the roaring seas and the quaking heavens and the confused nations with fainting, breathless people in fear of an end of the world that is coming, and it is coming soon. But I don't think this catches us up short these days. We know, as did the community to whom Luke was writing, that the utter chaos such as Jesus described feels pretty true to life. Luke's community, for their part, stood in the rubble of a temple that had been destroyed. It was power flexed by the Roman authorities who were angered 
by persistent insurrections of those who claimed a God who is distinct from the emperor. We stand in the surround sound of a world, a nation, a city, a community, families, trying to beat back one crisis after another. The climate, pandemic, systemic racism, ideological entrenchment. The trauma of it all is perpetuating a constant sense of foreboding. And amid all of this, it's pretty comforting to think that God is just gonna sort it all out. Because we're not sure really where to begin. We're exhausted and frightened and overwhelmed and inured probably best just to trust that God will sort it all out because we can't really add one more thing to our list to do. Brian Stevenson is a lawyer, an author. Many of you may know of him. He came to speak at the college a couple of years ago. He tells this wonderful story about when he met Rosa Parks. He tells about how he was invited by Johnny Carr, who was uh, herself a driving force behind the Montgomery boycott, bus boycott. Ms. Carr invited Brian to her home because Rosa Parks was coming for a visit. Uh, in Brian's words, Ms. Carr told me Ms. Parks was coming to town, and she said, do you just wanna come over and, oh, do you wanna come over and just listen? And I said, of course. And then every now and then she would do this. She'd say, now Brian, what does the word listen mean? <laughs> and then I'd have to explain that I knew that I wasn't supposed to say anything. <laughs> Mr. Stevenson goes on to recount sitting on the porch with Rosa Parks and Miss Carr doing just that, listening. He lingers in his story to recount how remarkable it was that after all that they had done throughout the 50s and 60s and 70s to progress the civil rights movement, that their conversation wasn't about what had been. It was about what they still wanted to do. Finally, they turned to Brian, and they did. They asked him to tell them about the Equal Justice Initiative, of which he is the founder and executive director. He says that he first looked at Ms. Carr to make sure he had permission to speak. <laughs> she nodded, and then he told them all about what they were doing, how they were trying to end the death penalty, trying to help people on death row, trying to challenge conditions of confinement, trying to help the poor, and on and on. And then he finally remembers, oh, then he remembers that once he finally finished, Rosa Parks just looked at him and said, mm, 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 that is gonna make you tired, tired, tired. And then Miss Carr leaned forward and said, that's why you have to be brave, brave, brave. Stevenson reflects on this, saying, I'll never forget it because I do think that what these women taught me was the necessity of the courage, of courage if you're going to advance justice, if you're even going to be a complete human being, 
Sometimes it takes courage to love and just be who you should be to the people you care about. We know, church, that there is much work to do for justice, for reconciliation, for a world free from fear and foreboding. And it makes us tired, tired, tired. We have developed our habits to remove ourselves from present fear or uncertainty, even for a time. It seems that loose community had as well. We bury our heads, we plug in the AirPods, we take one last measure of control in a world seemingly out of control, we throw ourselves into work, we have one more glass of wine, we binge one more show, we post one more rant. I know, friends, from our conversations that there are all kinds of exhaustion that you face. That which the world gives and that which you take on. That which we inherit and that which comes in certain seasons. That for which we could have never planned, nor can we prepare. This past year and a half itself has brought a lot of it, more than its fair share. And we are hesitant because of that. And we have earned that hesitancy. But we cannot let that sense of overwhelm become our habit. We have had to get out of the pattern of drawing near to one another because it was not safe. But we have found other ways in the meantime And we are finding our way back again, even when our nearness looks a little different. We are called in this time for a present faithfulness. We begin where we do each and every Advent because we have to remember where we sit in time, in between resurrection and restoration, in between earthly empire and divine reign, God has left the bonds of heaven and broken into earth. God has come down to live among us, to be one of us, to experience the pain and the joy of us. And understanding this, coming back to it on repeat again and again and again at this first week of Advent is an opportunity for a reset. So we draw near as Jesus did, in order to reset our expectations, to renew ourselves in God's time, to make ourselves present again to one another and to God, to form our new or renewed habit. We do all of this before we let the sheep loose down the aisle and we cue the angels from the choir loft. And we do all of this to bring our best courage to the promise of living in this world and the work of restoring it. The stories that we tell and the faith that we see in Advent in particular is a kind of present faith that hinges on that kind of courage, that both trusts the full act of redemption that God has and will do and relies on our participation. We know that Jesus is always putting his disciples to work 
But the work that Jesus puts us to in this season in particular is, to borrow a term from Brian Stevenson's work, proximity. It is countercultural work that puts us right alongside one another to listen, to pay attention, to be present, whether on, in person or online, but even more so it draws us outwards, near to the pain of others and to the joy of others, beyond what we know and is comfortable. And rather than being exhausted by this, I invite us to find new life in it because it is clear that God is making God's self known. Pay attention, says Jesus. Do not be afraid. To build a habit, we must practice it, of drawing near, of getting proximate. And this is also the work of being present in our faith, the witness for us as a church right now, in Advent, but in all seasons, For as we practice it here, we are made better at doing it out there. And that is where God is always pointing us, saying, look, listen, draw near, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Like the angels say to the shepherds, like the voice of God says to the prophets, like Gabriel says to the young, frightened woman who pondered in her heart the good news that she carried within her. And then... She sang because God had drawn near and the world was never going to be the same. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon recorded for November 28, 2021 titled Present Faithfulness by Rev. Sarah Cooper Seerite. We'll see you soon, and may the peace of Christ be with you.